When the red light goes... Take two. When the red light goes off, we're just getting started. This is Off Air with Chris Thomas and Mike Conti. Giving you a look behind the scenes of Atlanta's top sports station. As we take you through the top stories of the week from the world of sports and entertainment. Welcome to Off Air. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome on in to the latest episode of the Off Air Podcast. I am Chris Thomas, joined by the head honcho, Mike Conti of 92.9 The Game. And Mike, holiday week number one of two is in full effect. We talked about a lot of sports on the last episode because, frankly, there were a lot of sports to talk about. You had the Dansby situation. You had Desmond Ritter's first start. Set the radio station on fire. We had a great couple first days of content for the week. Now I want to get down into the nitty-gritty with you. Because something that I find fascinating about the radio industry as a whole is currently taking place on 92.9 The Game. And that is when one half or whole of a show, we call it a day part, will inside media nugget for you. So I'll hit myself. <laughs> um takes off your job part of your job as brand manager is to almost like a mad scientist in in a lab you know with different potions and different you know chemistry sets going what fits with what what what, what potion do i pour into this tube to make the best concoction to go out over the air so we've had multiple different combinations of hosts Male and female working together this week on the air on 92.9 The Game. So how do you, as a brand manager, decide, I think this guy or gal is going to work well with this other guy or gal, both or neither of which may have their own full-time show? Yeah, what I'm looking for is opposites. Um, so, you know, I think one of the things that makes Carl and Mike such a good show is that they're very, very opposite types of personalities. Carl, um, you know, very, very thoughtful, cerebral, uh, prepares really, really extensively, um, you know, it, deeply engaged in research and and all of that. Uh, Mike, very, very different in his approach, very laid back, very kind of free-spirited. And I, I think that contrast really works to produce an entertaining show. Andy and Randy, kind of the same thing, you know, Randy, former player, um, you know, legendary athlete in the state, legendary uh, former NFL athlete. Uh, and and with that comes all of his stories and, and, you know, very, very unique kind of background in athletics. Andy's never played anything. He's you know, kind of a lifelong journalist, but a very funny guy uh, who's also younger than Randy and, and has kind of a different personal dynamic than Randy. And again, I think that contrast really, really works. So what I'm trying to find are opposites. Uh, you know, Mark Zinno has been filling in for Mike Bell this week. I think Carl and Mike are very opposite. I think Carl, um, you know, is more of a storyteller, um, you know, is analytical, but, but doesn't like read numbers or anything like that, but, but very much a storyteller, uh, has a kind of easy to listen to delivery. 
Zeno is very combative. And I, I think, again, you know, that creates some really fun debates. And it also brings out a different side of, of Carl, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, you know, Rob Tribble's been working with Sandra Golden this week. Again, opposite. Sandra, um, you know, a, a woman with um, a very broad perspective of, of this market because she's been here a long time. Rob's been here a long time, too. He's an Atlanta lifer, but he's a man. And I think, again, just opposite sounds. But a lot of times, too, Chris, it just comes down to, you know, you mentioned potions. It just mentioned, it just comes down to which bottles are on the shelf. Mm. And, you know, this time of year during the holidays, sometimes there's not a lot of bottles on the shelf. And you just, you, you almost get down to who's available and of that, what's the best choice. Like tomorrow uh, or Thursday, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, Mark Zitto has to have outpatient surgery. So no one else is really available to fill in for Mike Bell other than Tribble. Now, I like Tribble with Mike Bell. I think they they produce a lot of chaos on the radio. I've never tried Tribble with Carl before. So we're going to find out how that goes. It might go great. might be a disaster. Don't know if you don't try. But that's an example of, um, you know, I'm just trying to find what works best of the limited options that I have. Uh, you did make one glaring error in in that statement you just gave, Uh-oh. and that is Andy Bunker is a proud member of the ninety two nine the game and Atlanta media soccer game that is you played know annually. So yeah. you got to give credit where credit is due, along with our very own Joe Patrick as well. That's so, right. You, you know what? Thank you for holding me accountable on that. You are absolutely right. I would still take. Randy's athletic resume uh, <laughs> far superior to Andy's, but you are right. A- Andy's also an outstanding bowler. He's an outstanding <laughs> golfer. So, um, you know what? Comment retracted on Andy. I apologize. And if he hears this, um, I-, I deeply apologize. So, so something that also applies to this same thing is what we're talking about are uh, some of the newer shows that have been on the air at 92.9 The Game as well, whether it's the Dopey Millennials or myself and Bo Morgan. Um, so same question sort of there. When, when fresh faces come to you and say, hey, I want to get a shot on the air, and uh, you're, you're trying to find somebody that you think they may work with, how do you do the same thing but with somebody that you're not even sure – with how they're molding themselves on the air as they're doing it sort of in real time. Well, the first thing I have to assess is whether or not that person is ready. I think you can, Chris, you know this. Um, A lot of people, they're hired by a radio station, not necessarily ours, just a radio station, and they want to get on the air as soon as possible. And um, not everyone is ready to do that right off the bat. Um, I wish it were as easy as we make it look where you can just turn on a microphone and do a competent show, and it's not that difficult. It is actually very difficult. It's much yes. harder than it looks. Uh, and I think it takes a lot of study, a lot of practice, a lot of repetition before someone is ready to go on the air. So that's the very first thing I have to do, Chris, is assess whether or not someone is ready. But then when we get to that point, I'm looking for uh, – you know, I think of the sense of you and Bo, I see opposites there. You're a Northeastern guy with a very laid back personality. Bo, Southern guy, very in your face, very acerbic. So I, I think the, the contrast really makes your show sound unique. Um, you know, with the millennials, 
there's a situation where I feel like they have a lot of chemistry. Okay. Mm. They are, they're not opposites. They're similars. Same with uh, Brian and Bo Johnson on the fantasy show. But, you know, in Brian and Bo's case, I look at them as two experts in a niche, which is fantasy sports, which is something our audience really cares very deeply about and something that we can serve our audience with a short show on Sunday. So, you know, for me to put Brian and Bo together, it's not necessarily a, a job of me trying to find contrast. It's me trying to find the two best experts we have at the radio station on that topic. Uh, with the millennials, th- they're similar personalities, but again, I think the the combination of the two personalities achieves what what I'm trying to do with their show, which is to give a younger person's perspective on the things that we talk about on the radio station every day. Um, you know, our target audience is men age 25 to 54. Mm-hmm. Most of the shows we have on the radio station right now, the hosts are in the upper end of that demographic. I wanted to get the dopies in here and provide a little bit of um, content from hosts who are on the younger side of the demographic. And I feel like, again, Caleb and Garrett, because of their relative level of inexperience in hosting shows, I felt like combining those two uh, would help each other out as opposed to make it more difficult by putting everything on one person's plate. So there's no, I guess what I'm trying to say, Chris, is that I feel like there's no one size fits all situation. And a lot of times it just comes down to feel uh, as opposed to, this is what the playbook tells me, or this is what the science tells me. Well, I love it, and I, that's the type of sports radio nerd stuff that yeah. uh, we do this podcast for, and I think the <laughs> listeners will appreciate that as well. And with that, we we go into Christmas movies because <laughs> it is it is that time of year, and uh, I challenged you with the task to come up with the five the top five holiday movies. It could be about any holiday that are essential viewing every single season that you and the family get around to watching. I have my list. Hopefully you have yours as well. And we will go 10 a 10 here uh, with the top five holiday movies that are must watch. We'll start with our number five for me. It is a newer movie, but it holds a lot of sentimental value. And that is the Polar Express. Okay. Why you may ask? Um, that was at a time when the IMAX movie experience was sort of first bursting onto the scene. And I remember my dad, my sister and I went to the IMAX. We waited in line. We got our popcorn. We sat down and me as a probably 11 or 12 year old at that time, I was blown away by the experience. It's just something that sticks in my head. Uh, and I'll now, every time I see that it's on, I will stop at the Polar Express. So that is my number five. Yeah, um, my number five is um, Rocky One. Uh, Wow, okay. See, I have a very um, loose definition of holiday movie because I don't necessarily feel like it needs to be about the holidays. I feel like if the plot takes place during the holidays, it counts. And as you know, uh, Rocky fought Apollo on New Year's Day, 1976. Mm -hmm. Uh, The bulk of his training occurred during Advent, 
Um, you know, when Adrian moved in with him, it was in the middle of Christmas. They had the Christmas tree up in Rocky's apartment. In fact, uh, one of the seminal moments of that movie is when uh, Adrian and her brother Paulie got into a very big altercation as they were watching a Christmas special. I think they were watching It's a Wonderful Life. Yep. Um, so Rocky won because it took place during the holiday season. One of the greatest movies of all time, really, holiday or not. Uh, my personal all-time favorite movie is Rocky One, regardless of genre. Um, that goes as number five on my list of best holiday movies. Hot take out of the shoot. I love it. Well, number I got four. I got four. Just okay. wait. All right. Number four for me, Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, what else can you say? Uh, you gather now, around. Let me interrupt you one second. Is that yeah. a movie or is that a TV show? Because it, I don't really think of that as a movie. It's a special, I guess you would call it. So it's like somewhere betwixt and between. But I think, I think we can uh, let it slide for its for its sort of connectivity with the holiday season. I think most people would consider it applicable for the list. But I like you challenging me on it. I like it. Classic. I mean, that is a. I think of all the. Christmas specials like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Frosty the Snowman. And I think uh, people in our generation probably grew up with Twas the Night Before Christmas, which was an animated show as well. I think there were mice in that one, if I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Brown Christmas probably takes the cake as the OG of Christmas specials. So uh, I think you're onto something there. I cannot watch children's themed Christmas cartoons like the Grinch and stuff like that. I'm a very disturbed person with a lot of deeply rooted psychological issues. That's why you work in radio. Exactly. I fit in great. And I, I cannot watch any of that stuff without um, crying uncontrollably. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I I don't know. I probably need to go to a lot of therapy to figure out why. (laughs) Uh, But all that said, Charlie Brown Christmas, the OG of uh, of Christmas specials. I agree. My number four, uh, and again, I'm playing off the number four here, Chris, is Rocky Four. And I know this might be confusing. Wow, okay. I just declared the original Rocky to be the most, uh, my favorite movie of all time. But I, I think Rocky Four gets the edge over Rocky One because that truly was a Christmas movie. Rocky fought Drago on Christmas Day, 1985, in Moscow. Uh, And, um, you know, really, it was a story of, you know, we talk about peace on Earth during the holidays. It was a story of, um, you know, a boxer, uh, underdog boxer from the United States uh, coming into the Soviet Union and defeating uh, the Soviet amateur champion who was doped up on steroids and in so doing, making a powerful statement about the differences we have as nations and how those can be overcome through sport. And uh, it essentially ended the Cold War and the the threat of nuclear holocaust that we faced as children. So uh, because all of that occurred on Christmas Day, on Love Tuesday it. night fights on USA Network with Barry Tompkins and Al Bandura, uh, Rocky Four is my number four favorite Christmas movie. Uh, I'm going to come right back at you with The Grinch is my number three. Another yeah. movie that, that you can't apparently sit through without, without uh, you know, 
sobbing uncontrollably. Needing the therapy couch. And I'm, of course, referring to the 1966 original cartoon classic. Uh, I appreciated the efforts of Jim Carrey. I did not watch the CGI animated one that came out a few years ago. Um, You know, from the music to the messaging, it's just it's spot on. uh, Easily slides in there for me at number three. You know, as a kid, I had a dog named Max. So that that made uh, the Grinch extra fun because the Grinch's dog was named Max. And I think he chopped a branch off a tree and put an antler on Max to disguise him as a uh, um, uh, a reindeer. Uh, number three on my list is Die Hard 2. Uh, I, I, Die Hard 2, I think, actually is one of those examples where the sequel was a little bit better than the original. And I know we could have a real debate on that. I do know that. Wow. I know that Bruce Willis has declared that the Die Hard serial is not a Christmas movie. Uh, I have to disagree with him entirely. Uh, it's a story of people trying to get home for the holidays at Dulles Airport when uh, uh, the air traffic control system is taken over by hijackers. And along with a, an outstanding performance by Bruce Willis, I think it really went to launch the career of Fred Thompson, who eventually became a senator from Tennessee and a presidential <laughs> candidate. The way that Senator Fred Thompson managed the air traffic control crisis really launched his political career. So that's my number three. Wow. Uh, if you if you put that, we may need to bring you on the air on Dukes and Bell this week to, to drop this list and create. Because <laughs> you would set the radio station in the city of Atlanta on fire. Uh, my, yeah. my number two, uh, Home Alone. Um, for me... I, I I synonymously think of that movie, holiday season. Yeah. Just go together like peanut butter and jelly. Uh, you can sit down and you laugh, you cry. You know, you, it's just, what can you say other than it's an all-time classic? Um, it's so funny now watching, um, what's the name of the actress that plays his mother who's now on Schitt's Creek and... Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's just so funny seeing her kind of have yeah. a career resurgence now, and it's like, wait, but she yeah. was Kevin's mom in Home Alone, right. and now she does the the Christmas commercial with Kevin Hart, where they're in the mall, yeah. and she's trying to find him. Um, so that yeah, that is to me. I I don't know if there's any other movie that I associate with a time of year more than Home Alone. That is a fantastic choice. Uh, I loved Home Alone. I I, I want to say, when I was a kid, you were probably too young to remember when Home Alone was in theaters, Chris, right? Yes. 91, gonna... I was born, yeah. Okay, so you would have been born, I think the, I want to say it was Christmas of 91 when it was out. Maybe it was Christmas of 90. Might have uh, been. I remember as a kid in Philadelphia, I want to say I saw that in the theaters probably 10 or 11 times. Uh, I actually saw, I'll never forget this. I saw Home Alone in the movie theater the Easter after it came out. That's how much I enjoyed the movie. Wow. So, like, and I I think at that time, too. Like, you're in that, I, I was in the fifth grade. So, like, you're in that weird kind of stage of life where, you're not yet allowed to get into a PG 13 movie alone. Um, but so, so because of that, the list of G rated and PG rated movies are, are really, really limited. Right. Um, and, um, you know, so it, it kind of makes the list short. Maybe that's why I saw home alone so much, but, um, that's, that is a great poll. Uh, I love home alone. Uh, 
Number two on my list. Um, I am going to pull a wild card like you and go to a TV show as opposed to a movie. Okay. Uh, the very first year of The Simpsons, when they had their holiday special, uh, it was really one of the first Simpsons cartoons ever shown on Fox uh, after they kind of came out of the Tracy Allman show era. Uh, but the the very first Christmas uh, holiday special for The Simpsons, where they adopted the dog, Santa's Little Helper, yep. really tugged at the heartstrings, but also was a hilarious episode and set the stage for, in my opinion, the golden era of Simpsons cartoons uh, when Conan O'Brien was writing for the show, the first five or six years were fantastic. So uh, the very Merry Christmas Simpsons special is number two on my list. And my number one will also be controversial. It is planes, trains, and automobiles. I, I know that is usually associated with Thanksgiving because that is what the story of the movie is based around. But I always watch that movie right around Christmas time. Yeah, for for me, um, it it has the same the, the same necessary tone that a Home Alone has around the holidays. It's almost sort of a similar plot line with trying to get home and figuring out your family situation. Um, so I know it's not technically about Christmas or about uh, you know the formal holiday season. But it's about Thanksgiving, which is adjacent. And uh, I just, you know, Steve Martin, John Candy, what else can you say? Uh, it's one of the all-time greats. All-time. Uh, and, you know, that is a movie for me that I will laugh the same way I laughed the first time I saw it when I was a kid that I laugh now. For me, it's it's my clear-cut number one. Yeah, I never really consider that as an option because it's a Thanksgiving movie. But uh, I, I think your point is the same. It's a holiday movie. Uh, and it... It's a relatable holiday topic. Uh, my number one, very simply, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Ha, ah, okay. My all-time guilty pleasures during the holidays is to watch it. In fact, I watched it with my wife the other night. Uh, it was a marathon on AMC. I'll probably watch it again on Christmas Day. Last year, the Fox Theater did a screening of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and afterwards, Chevy Chase came out and answered questions. One of my all-time favorite oh, wow. uh, at the Fox Theater. It, it was so fun. That's a movie that uh, is just a laugh riot. Uh, I think it was maybe the best of all the National Lampoon's uh, movies, and I know that's saying a lot because we're including – uh, you know, the original vacation, we're including Animal House, all of that. Uh, I really think it was the best or, or one of the two or three best. Uh, just a constant laugh riot and uh, gives me a lot of fond memories of my childhood because, um, you know, watching that as an eight or a nine-year-old and yep. all the casual swearing and nudity and all that, it was uh, it's a film that helped me grow up a little bit. So uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, the all-time number one best holiday movie in my opinion as mike bell likes to say it was a special time in a boy's life <laughs> yes, <it was. laughs> all right from from that from from the holiday spirit to something that people dread about the holiday season and that is spending a lot of money and that is something that Mets owner Steve Cohen and something that we learned overnight last night as well as they lock up Carlos Correa. On a I thought that was a joke, by the way. So did I when I woke up. I thought that was like an article from Ballsack Sports. I, yeah. I, I thought it was a parody. I couldn't yeah. believe it. 
it's unbelievable what happened. But another guy that they brought in is a uh, 39-year-old uh, ace, Justin Verlander, who's mm-hmm. coming off one of his best seasons at his ripe old age at, for a pitcher. Um, but he was talking to the media who asked uh, the, the new question that every older successful athlete is being asked. Are you going to try to pull a Tom Brady and play yeah. until you're 45? This is his answer, and then I want to know, do you believe he's doing this for the love of the game or for the love of the cake? I didn't say 45 specifically. I mean, I, because, I mean, I guess what my whole mentality on this is that um, I will be extremely proactive and do everything I possibly can to play for as long as I can and be as successful as I can um, and healthy. Um, and if that's 45, great. I think that's an easy number to look to. It's a nice round number and say, that's very plausible. I've seen a lot of guys do it. But if I also find myself at 45 pitching well and being healthy, then why would I stop? It's easy to say when you're getting $40 million a year. Yeah, right. I, I actually, I don't find that to be a horrible answer. I, I, I think it's honest. I think if he were doing this for the cash, he would have made more than enough money by now. Uh, and let's just say his family is probably incredibly financially secure. Yes. Not just from his income, but from his wife's income as well. Um, so I, I I would like to believe that he's doing this for the love of the game. He's still playing at an extremely high level. You know, I hate to see players retire when I still think they have something left in the tank. That That's why I hated seeing Barry Sanders retire when he left the game. Right. Because I, I you know, Terrell Davis, probably another, uh, you know, Bo Jackson, an example of someone who certainly had a lot left in the tank, but it was just injuries that that slowed them down. I hate to see that. Calvin Johnson, another one. Calvin Johnson, great call. I I always want to see players go out on their own terms, so I'm glad that Verlander is setting himself up to go out on his own terms. Um, He's still playing at a really high level. Uh, He's a world champion. He pitched decent in the World Series. Didn't Didn't pitch great in game one, but certainly pitched great in his second start. Um, I, I think he's, I think his heart is pure. Um, and we all know Chris that he's not ring chasing because if you're ring chasing, you're not going to sign with the New York Mets. We never, <laughs> never win. It's true. What? 1986 was a long time ago. That's Although when you're now you've assembled, like people joke about how the New York Yankees used to quite literally assemble an all-star team. Yep. Now the New York Mets have taken that mantle and not only taken it, but ripped it away from the New York Yankees. Their, their luxury payroll tax for this season will be more than I believe almost half of the major league teams spend on their entire payroll. Their luxury tax is $100 million as of right now, which if you look at teams like the Pirates and the Orioles – and the athletics, their entire payroll is around $30 million. Yeah. So he's spending 10 times that amount on his payroll to put together this team. It's insane. As you know, Chris, it doesn't always work. No. And talk to the Yankees about that. You know, the, the Yankees have been spending like that for the last 20 years, and how many world championships have they won in the last 20 years? One since 2009, zero since. So it just, uh, and you know what the funny part is with the Braves and the Phillies, they may not still be the best team in their own division. 
even with bringing in guys like Justin Verlander, and uh, they just brought in the guy Senga from Japan, yeah. and Francisco Lindor, and now Correa. Chris, you know what, Bill? It, it, the the new playoff format, you can still be third in your division and be fine. That's you know, I, I could absolutely see the Braves or the Phillies winning 88 games, finishing yeah. third, and making right. That's what the Phillies did this past year. You know, I mean, they, 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 um, I think they were third. I, they were third behind the Mets and Braves, and they just got hot. Um, you know, that's, that's going to change, I think, the paradigm. Uh, and that's why I think to an extent, like, I don't like the way the Dansby thing went down, but that's why I think to an extent, maybe Liberty Media does have the right idea with what they're doing with the Braves right now. Um, you know, if you spend responsibly and put yourself in a position where you're going to be in every year and then you roll the dice, um, I'm good with that because baseball is a very finicky and unpredictable sport and you can have a huge, huge payroll and run into a hot pitcher in a a best of five game playoff and be out. If nothing else, Mike, we will have another bulletin board material talking point for the next few days on 92.9 The Game. Look what the Mets just did, and the Braves couldn't re-sign Dansby Swanson for $160 million, and they're shelling out $300 million contracts left and right. I'll tell you what. Uh, we've had no shortage of content this week, right? Uh, Falcons and Ritter, Dansby, the Mets. Travis Schlenk stepping down today. Uh, it's It's been a week. Usually the last two weeks of the year are quiet for us and we can do the Christmas movie debate on the air. Not this week on 92.9 The Game. No, and you are absolutely right. And with that, I will say a happy holidays to you and your family. Uh, D- Dylan Matthews will be stepping in next week. We'll keep the pod rolling. Mike will get a well-deserved week off. Even the head honcho needs a vacation every once in a while. Believe it or not, folks. So for Mike Conti, follow him at MikeConti929. I am Chris Thomas. Follow me at C Thomas Radio. Wishing you and yours a happy holidays. We'll talk to you guys next week after the presents are unwrapped, eggnog is drank, and our bellies are nice and full.